Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. Well, good morning, everyone. All right, stimulus response, you're awake. That's exciting. Well, I'm glad you're here today. And as we said, we are in the middle of our God Never Said That series where we've been really just looking at the pop theology out there about what God said or didn't say and just kind of debunking the lies that people have tended to believe about things that God really didn't say. So in week one, we talked about the fact that God never said, I just want you to be happy. Week two, last week, we talked about the fact that God never said that he wouldn't give you more than you could handle. And if you miss either of those, I encourage you to go online or our Parkway Fellowship app. You can go back and watch those and kind of catch up to the series and get to where we are. Because today is week three and we are talking about the lie that sin doesn't matter as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. And Christians have taken hold of that and we've kind of spiritualized it sometimes. And we say, well, sin doesn't matter because I'm forgiven. Like Jesus died for my sins, so it's okay. And that's not true. God never, ever said that. But the evil one pushes us towards believing that lie and living in that lie because he knows that when we let sin get in, we get so entangled and it's dangerous. And at the end of the day, it ends up sabotaging us for what God has designed for us to do because we're so mired and controlled by that sin. So what are the dangers for us of believing that lie. And really, it boils down to this. Number one, it's on your message notes, is I marginalize the sin in my life. Grab your pen, fill that out. I marginalize the sin in my life. See, we are all humans. We have an innate desire, an innate drive to compare things. We consistently look at our environment and look at what's going on, and we compare. And we choose based on what we believe is the best thing for us at the time. I call this making a value judgment. Matter of fact, my children have heard me say, you're making a value judgment. What do you value? They've heard it so many times. As a matter of fact, a couple couple months ago, my oldest daughter, uh, she had gone into something. And for me, of course, everything in life is a teachable moment, right? So I was moving into a teachable moment and I was about to launch into my value judgment speech. And she says, dad, If you say value judgment one more time, I'm going to beat you to death with that (laughs) flip-flop. So it would seem that I've done a good job with the value judgment thing. Maybe need to work a little more on the honor your father part, right? (laughs) But seriously, my children have heard me say that so much because I believe in it so strongly. Because everything we do boils down to a value judgment. Every decision you make is driven by what you value the most. So for instance, let's say you're at a, at a store and you're buying something um, and the cashier is making change for you and they get distracted and they're supposed to be handing you a $10 bill but instead they hand you a $100 bill. In that moment, you have a value judgment. You can, if you value honesty, you can point that out and go, hey wait, I think you gave me the wrong bill. Or if you value a $90 profit, you can fold that up, put it in your pocket real quick and get out before they realize what they did. You've just made a value judgment. Or maybe you're hanging out at lunch with your friends and that person in the office that everyone hates comes into conversation. So you can, 
value the safety of your friend's approval and join in the conversation, throwing shade on that person, or you can risk their disapproval and challenge the gossip and instead direct the conversation towards something more uplifting. In that moment, you make a value judgment based on what you value the most. We do it all throughout our life. And oftentimes, many of us choose sin because that gets us down the path of what we value, whether it's comfort, whether it's safety, whether it's wealth or prestige, whatever it is, the route to sin, we often think, gets us to where we want to go. And so we make these value judgments lots of times without even knowing it, without even realizing what it is that we're doing it, we do. And you think for a minute, you're like, no, I love Jesus. I wouldn't intentionally choose to sin. But I think a lot of us, we kind of categorize sin. If we think about it, there's like big sin and then there's little sin. And like big sin, that's like, you know, robbing a bank or murdering someone or something. I mean, that pretty much falls in the big sin category. It's pretty much a no. Like most of us would say, yeah, that's not me. I would never do that. But then we have the category of little sin, like gossip or gluttony or, you know, little white lies that don't hurt anybody. I mean... Really, you're telling those little white lies for their benefit because you don't want to hurt their feelings. So really, I mean, is that really even sin? I mean, I mean, it may be like a character flaw, right? We, we tell these lies to ourselves and we, we sanitize sin by calling it something else. <clears throat> or like we, we, love, we love to baptize gossip by calling it a prayer request. Like, I just want to pray for her, because girl, she needs some help. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, it's not cheating, I'm just creatively and more efficiently taking the test. We call it these different names because it makes us feel okay, and it makes it feel like it's not that big of a deal. But when it all boils down to it, ladies and gentlemen, it's sin. And scripture calls it sin. And the Bible tells us specifically in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That, deceiving ourselves that way by not calling sin what it is, is a treacherous road. And doing so, it leads us to the second danger of believing that sin doesn't matter, and that's this, is that I ignore the consequences of sin in my life. When I marginalize sin and choose not to call it sin, it leads me to ignore the consequences of sin in my life. Now, the most significant consequence of sin in your life is going to be the eternal separation from God. Uh, that really, that equals going to hell when you die. Now, I know Hell is not really a PC topic to talk about today. Uh, you really can't look at someone and look at their behavior and call it sin or call it wrong or tell them that living in sin, unforgiven, is going to send them to hell. I'm sure there's some government sensitivity training that you'll get sent to if you actually say that. And the flip side of that is I realize that for a long time, preachers used sin as a scare tactic 
to scare people into choosing to follow Christ. Like back when I was in high school, we had to study a famous sermon by Jonathan Edwards called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And for the longest time, pastors used that. I and mean, you know what I'm talking about. There's the, the ones that would, would take the word hell and turn it into two syllables, right? You're like, you're a sinner going to hell in the handbasket of the devil. Can I get an amen? So, I just want to, I got to be honest, I'm not working either of those angles today. That's not me, that's not who I am, that's not how I roll. I, I literally just want to tell you, this is what scripture says. And we can agree to say, what scripture says is sin, this is sin. And what scripture says about sin, this is what scripture says about sin. And here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. The wages. What you earn. What you earn for your deeds. Your wages for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Because by God's grace, he's given us a way to not get the wages for the sin that we've earned. And that came through Jesus who left heaven, lived a life on this earth without sin, yet was crucified to bore the burden of all of our sin. And all we have to do is ask Jesus to forgive our sin and commit our lives to follow him. And from that moment forward, the consequence of eternal separation from God is off the table. That's all it takes. When you ask Jesus' forgiveness for sin, it's gone. And the Bible tells us again in 1 John, the very next verse, in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So that's great news, right? Like, if we confess our sin, the Bible tells us that he will forgive our sin. So that means we're home free, right? We can basically do what we want and sin, 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 sin. It doesn't matter because all I have to do is have forgiveness. Well, not really, because there's a couple holes in that theory, but that's kind of what our people have adopted and thought about it. But really, forgiveness through Jesus Christ addresses your eternity, but it doesn't address the here and now, because there are still consequences of our sin every day. Some of them, pretty big, pretty obvious. Like if you have sex outside of wedlock and you get pregnant, you can get forgiveness for sin, but nine months later, there's still a baby coming, and both of you are responsible to rear that child. You can steal a crackload of money through a Ponzi scheme, and you can get forgiveness from Jesus, but you're going to get a prison sentence from the judge. And those are big things. I mean, little sins, like you can lie to your parents, but when you do, you break trust, and then they're not going to trust you the next time. Every sin has a consequence. Everyone, even when you can't see it, even when it doesn't seem to hurt anybody, the consequences to sin is there. All sin separates us from God. All sin. Everything you do that is a sin breaks your relationship with God. 
And without forgiveness, that relationship stays broken. And when that relationship is broken, then you sense God's presence a little less. You hear God's voice a little less. And then that leads you to more sin. And then more broken relationship. And then more sin. And you continue in this downward spiral of death until you find yourself destroyed by the sin that you thought didn't matter. So if we can agree... Um, that this myth is busted, that sin doesn't matter because you're forgiven. Let's, let's agree that, that that is not true. So what does God really say about sin? What is God really telling me about sin? And this is it, is because I'm forgiven, stop sinning. Stop. God's word is very clear on the idea of sin and forgiveness. And I think it's put best in Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So he's saying, shall we go on sinning so that grace shall increase? Shall we continue to sin so that we can just get more forgiveness and more forgiveness? Well, no. Jesus is not your get-out-of-jail-free car for sin. You don't just run around and, and just commit sin after sin after sin because you can. In fact, it should be the opposite because when you realize and you fully grasp what Jesus accomplished for you on that cross, your desire becomes not to sin. When you consider the suffering that he endured, when you consider the fact that he was scourged with a whip, that he was beaten in the head with a staff, that he was struck in the face, that his beard was pulled out, that a crown of two-inch thorns was jammed on his head to the point that it made him bleed. And then he had nails driven through his hands and feet, hung publicly on a cross to be mocked, and then to die of exposure and asphyxiation. And he did all of that for your lie, for your cheating. For me when you consider that and you understand it what about him taking that punishment for you makes you want to sin more it, it doesn't and if you're here today and you consider yourself a Christ follower and you can't look in your life and see a gradual progression away from sin like if there's not a desire in your heart to sin less, then I want to challenge you to evaluate, did you make that decision to follow Christ? Because when you grasp what he did for you, it leads you naturally to want to choose to not sin. Because forgiveness in Christ is based on this one word, and that's repentance. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, repent then and turn to God. Now circle the word, turn to God. Grab your pen and circle that. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come to the Lord. Now this phrase, turn to God, that's going to give us a little framework to understand the word repentance. Because the original language, the Greek word there, it means a significant changing of one's mind. In common usage, it talked about someone who, who really believed this, but then they decided, you know what, I don't think that's right. I believe this. It is a physical 180-degree turn. Um, think, think Charles Dickens. 
Think a Christmas carol, right? You've got Ebenezer Scrooge. He lived this way and scorned Christmas. And then what does it tell us? He kept Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, every day from then on. It represented a 180-degree shift in thinking. Basically, that's what repentance is. It's I was living life this way, and now I'm choosing to live this way. When you repent of sin, you literally become a different person. And that is what Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Now take your pen and cross out the old has gone. Put a big X over it. The old you, when you repent and choose to follow Christ, the old you is gone. But now circle, the new is here. The old has gone, but the new you, the new person who has received forgiveness from Christ, the new person who has chosen to commit their life and their work from then on to Jesus, that person is here. Now, some of you in the room today have never chosen to follow Christ. You have never made that commitment. You have never received that forgiveness of sin. And you have heard this offering from this stage every time you've ever come to Parkway Fellowship. And you hear it because it's a value judgment on our part. We value highly people committing their lives to follow Christ. That's what we're all about. So if today's your first day, you've heard it one time. If today is your 1,000th day, you've heard it a 1,000 times. Today is the day for you to choose to follow Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about your eternity. All of this talk of sinning and not sinning and, and forgiveness, it's all about your eternity when you die. And the one question that's going to determine that is, did you ask Jesus to forgive your sins and commit your life to follow him? And if the answer is yes, then your eternity in heaven is secure. And if it's not, then scripture tells us your eternity is a hell that we talked about earlier. Today, I want to encourage you to make the day that you choose to follow Christ. Now, on the back of your message notes, at the bottom, there's a sample prayer that you can pray that will lead you to accept and follow Jesus, to receive forgiveness from sins and commit your life to follow him. In just a moment, I'm going to pray that prayer out loud, and I want to invite you, if that's you, pray that prayer with me. It can be out loud. It doesn't have to be. There's nothing magic about saying it out loud. It's your heart. It's the attitude of your heart and where you are. And Scripture tells us, if you mean those words that we're going to pray, then your sin will be forgiven. So if you're ready, if you've never done this before, and you're ready to choose to ask Jesus to forgive your sin and follow Christ, I want to ask you to just be real with God. And pray with me right now. So everyone in the room, will you please bow your heads and close your eyes with no one looking around. Again, you don't have to pray this out loud. You can, but you don't have to. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Even when I've ignored you and have gone my own way. I believe that you died on the cross for me. Forgive me for all my sins. Please come into my life right now.
I commit to follow you. Help me grow in my faith and trust in you. Amen. You prayed that prayer with me. Later on, Pastor Mike's going to get up and he's going to ask you to check a box that says, I prayed the prayer to follow Jesus Christ for the very first time. I want to encourage you when he says that, check that box because we want to connect with you and help you grow because scripture tells us you became a Christ follower today. And you're going to need some help along the way in growing. Um, Because I'm about to tell you something that for some of you, it's either going to make you really excited or it's going to make you a little depressed, depending on your personality. Because the thing is this, you've chosen to follow Christ, um, and you're going to commit your life to become more like Jesus every day, and you're going to commit to stop sinning. But unfortunately, I have to tell you, you're going to fail. You will sin again. Now, for some of you, that's kind of exciting because the thought of having to be perfect from here on out is just overwhelming. And the fact that you, can, you know you're going to sin, you're like, oh, all that pressure's gone. Some of you are going to be a little depressed by that because I've just given you an impossible standard and told you that the rest of your life is going to be striving to reach the standard that you will never reach. It's all about perspective. But at the end of the day, what really matters is that you commit your life to follow Christ. And the goal is not to sin, but the understanding is that you will. So when you do, what do you do? What do you do when you inevitably sin again? And that's the answer is this. It's your last feeling of the day is when I sin, I should confess and pray. When I sin, I should confess and pray. See, we read in 1 John 1.9 earlier that when we confess our sins to God, he is faithful to forgive them. And he will. When you go to God and confess your sin, repent, he will forgive. But there's another instruction in the book of James. It says this in chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confess your sins to whom? Each other. Pray for whom? Each other. Now, what I don't believe James is saying is that you need to stand up here in a large open forum like this and say, I am a dirty, rotten sinner. Pray for me. I mean, you can. After all, uh, everyone in this room is a dirty, rotten sinner, right? And we all need someone to pray for us. But I don't think that's what James is saying. What James is saying is you need to find people who are struggling through the journey alongside you, people with whom you can confide and trust, and you can share the journey with them, and you can confess your sin to them. And they will love you and walk with you and pray with you. And honestly, they will help you become the person that you want to be. Here's the thing. And don't miss this. I really, I want you to get this. The thing about sin is sin grows best in the dark. Sin grows best in the dark. That's why those little sins that we talked about earlier, why they're so dangerous Because 
when we don't treat them like sin and they take home in our life and they take root and they begin to grow and they grow strong and they go rapidly and pretty soon you're consumed by the sin and you didn't even know until it's too late. That's why men can nurture a pornography addiction in the secret for so many years and then everybody is surprised. Oh my goodness, they were arrested in a prostitution sting. How did that happen? It's because they nurtured sin in the dark for so long. Or there's a student who cheats on a testing, he gets a good grade, and everyone thinks they're a great student. What a model student. And that's, that student learns to cheat and cheat and cheat, and then all of a sudden one day they get caught cheating on a final exam and get expelled from school. And people go, how did that happen? They were such a great student. It's because they nurtured sin. They gave it a home. And everyone that finds themselves in that position. Everyone that I've ever talked to who has had a colossal failure like that says, I don't know how I got here. I never intended it for it to go this far. Without fail, they say that. Because sin grows best in the dark and nurtured sin will take you farther than you ever intended to go. Every time, without fail, when you give sin a home in your life, it will take you somewhere you did not intend to go. It is always progressive, and left alone, it will destroy you. But there's a remedy, and the remedy for sin is bringing it into the light. See, why sin grows best in the dark, sin in the light is kept in check, and that is where confessing your sins to people going through the same area of life as you, that's why it's so important. Because those friends that you confess your sin to will challenge you and grow with you and pray with you. And look, I'm here to tell you, I am not going to confess my sins to you. I will confess to you that I'm a sinner, but I will confess my sins openly and honestly to two men. We have been friends for over 20 years. We have walked through highs and lows together, celebrated successes, struggled through times, wrestled with our faith. We have earned each other's love and trust. I know them. They know me. Those guys know everything about me, and really they know me better than I know myself. Do you have someone in your life like that? If so, are you utilizing them? Are you confessing your sins to each other and praying for each other? And if you don't have someone like that in your life and you don't confess your sin to someone, will you be so bold as to pray for someone like that and ask God to send you people who you can bond together with? Maybe you already know them. Maybe you don't. Maybe they're in your small group. Maybe they're not. Maybe they come to church here at Parkway Fellowship. Maybe they don't. Who they are, where they come from, that's up to God. The question for you is, will you pray for them? And when God sends them to you, because he will, you may have to wait a while, but he'll send them to you in his time. When they come, will you be open and honest and transparent and confess your sins to them? Allow them to confess their sins to you. Pray for each other and lift each other up. So does sin matter? Yes. Does it matter even if you're already a Christ follower and you're already forgiven? Then yes, 10,000 times, yes. 
being a Christ follower. Forgiveness of sin is a great thing, but being a Christ follower is about following Christ, about molding our lives to become more and more and more like him every day, living our lives to do our best to live without sin every day, every day striving to be less sinful than the day before, every day living to bring glory to Jesus Christ and not to ourselves. Will you bow your heads? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. God, thank you that you sent Jesus to die for our sin, that we have an option to never have to receive the wages uh, for our sin, for what we have earned. God, I pray for everyone listening today, God, that if they have not chosen to follow you, God, that today they will sense your unconditional love, um, God, and that you will just drive them uncontrollably to you, Father, and they will receive your forgiveness and they will commit their lives to follow you. God, give us a boldness to look at our lives and call sin what it is and bring it into the light, God, that the evil one would not use our sin against us and prevent us from being who you've called us to be and who you've created us to be. God, help us to purge that sin in our lives, to keep it from having a place to grow. May um, God instead just to live every day seeking to be more like Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.